after the service, please come up front so that you can welcome them in and uh, make sure you introduce yourself. And also, because the kids are so cute, don't forget them. Greet those families who have dedicated their children today and also the, the baptism candidates. It's been a great day together to worship the Lord and to remember what God's done for us. Would you turn with me in your Bibles? Uh, you're allowed to use your cell phone right now if you have a Bible on your cell phone, to Psalm 121. I'm gonna be reading the whole Psalm. Psalm 121, in the bulletin, the page number's there, the Pew Bible's 242 or large print 286 if you need help getting to Psalm 121. The Lord watches over your life. Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out, your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we ask you today, in these next few moments, to remind us of your great care and love, how you have entered our lives, and you're always watching over us, and especially those who entrust themselves by faith into your care through the Lord Jesus. Lord, encourage our hearts today, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 121 is one of 15 Psalm of Ascents. It's one of the Psalms we believe that the Jewish people would either sing or chant on the way up to Jerusalem as they were celebrating, going to celebrate one of the feasts that the Jewish people were commanded to do. So you can imagine if you were in a, with a group of people marching up to Jerusalem, and you always have to go up to Jerusalem, no matter where you come from, you go, unless you live up above Jerusalem, I guess there might be a spot above it, but you have to go up to Jerusalem. So as you're heading toward there, you see the mountains that are surrounding Jerusalem and you know it's there and you're singing praise to God. And if you have faith, you're going there with expectation and joy. You're celebrating a feast. You're celebrating God's mercy and goodness. I also imagine if you're going up to Jerusalem because mom and dad made you go or grandma and grandma expect you to go because it's our family tradition, it's a cultural tradition, and you really don't believe in God, you're not sure that God's really there or that this is all what life is about, then you would go kind of grudgingly, just going because you have to. You wouldn't be expecting something amazing. So when you came here today, did you come with joy and expectation? Expecting God or to hear great things about God and what he's done, to see the baptisms, to see new people join, to be reminded what Christ has done for you, what God has called us to be. Do you have confidence this morning that the Lord Jesus Christ is God and Savior and that he's watching over your life? knows every step along the way. Do you believe that he's the savior of the world, like the scriptures say, that he died for the sins of the world to remove the penalty so that we could have eternal life? 
do you believe Jesus was raised from the dead and he's ascended to heaven? So from there, he has all rule and authority and he's, gonna, he's establishing his kingdom and it's growing and one day he's going to return and it's all going to be fulfilled. Do you believe that? And do you believe Jesus is watching over your life today? So Psalm 121, I want to just take a few minutes this morning to remind us because it reminds us that God is watching over his children. And it's true. So we need to consider that truth regularly because I can tell you from personal experience that I forget that sometimes. That I think for some reason he's forgotten me and he's not watching over what's going on in my life. But I need to be reminded from his word and from you good people and from my friends that he is watching over. Not only that, but I need to rejoice in that truth. I need to grab a hold of it and rejoice in it. And I need to live differently because of it. So let's just take a quick journey through Psalm 121. Who is your protector? This is a traveler's psalm for a trusting pilgrim. That's what James Boyce called it, and I love that. It's a traveling song, psalm for a trusting pilgrim. And the main idea here is that God is keeping us. And if you didn't notice it, there's a Hebrew, Hebrew word there, shamar, that is the word keep in the English Standard Version and is repeated six times. That's the main idea that God is protecting us. And we don't know if this psalmist, the one who wrote this, let's just put it this way. We don't know if it was a guy or a girl, because there's, but it could have been either one, I guess. And they're saying that God, are they having a conversation with themselves? Where does my help come from? Are they asking this themselves and answering it? Or are they having a dialogue with the other people they're walking up to Jerusalem with? And is it a back and forth conversation? Either way works. But they're looking up to the hills. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Why would they lift up their eyes to the hills? Because that's where Jerusalem was. And that's where the God of Israel, the people of Israel, the Jewish people, that's where he chose to reveal himself. That's where he said, this is going to be my spot. This is where the city that God has put his eye on, and it's his dwelling place where his temple was built. So as they looked up to the hills, their eyes were lifted up, and they were remembering that there's a God there who's watching over me. That's where my help comes from. Lots of pagans unbelievers, people who worshiped other gods, look to high places to worship their God. You know, there's something about being up on top of a hill. I guess you're closer to the gods, small g. But these people were looking to the God who made heaven and earth. So their eyes were not only lifted to the hills, but then they were lifted to the heavens, and then they were lifted to the maker of all those things, earth and heaven. So it lifts our eyes up. Where does my help come from? From the perfect purposes of the God who made me. From the God whose character is flawless. That's where my help comes from. From God's unchanging, unstoppable promises. That's where my help comes from. My help comes from the sovereign God who predetermines the plans he has for everyone's life and for his people's lives, those who trust in him, their good and perfect plans. That's where my help comes from. Remember that today. That's where your help comes from. It's not from some person. It's from the maker of heaven and earth. 
if you're trusting in him. So the first stanza, verses 1 and 2 of this, this psalm, introduce us to the God who's taking care of us. And why would we look to anywhere else for comfort and peace and, and, and a peace of mind except the maker of heaven and earth? In verses 3 through 8, we get to see some of the benefits of those, for those who have the Lord as their protector. There's a variety of ways that God take takes care of them. It says in verse 3, He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. This is the, one of the benefits, 24-7 protection. 24 hours a day, seven days a week for the whole life that you live. God's always on duty. He's never napping. He's never taking a little snooze like I did yesterday afternoon. He's always watching. Even when we're sleeping, even when we're busy, even when we don't think about him, he has his eye on us. In the New Testament, Jesus, he pictured it as a good shepherd. The good shepherd knows his sheep, and he's always on the watch. He's always protecting them. When the wolf comes, he doesn't run off and run away like the hired hand. The good shepherd is always taking care of his sheep. You're taking a walk, and he's watching your footsteps. Not only that, but he's not only watching over us. He never slumbers nor sleeps. He's never catching a nap. And you know, the Greek gods were allowed to take naps. They expected it. The maker of heaven and earth never sleeps. He's never tired. Verses 5 and 6, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not strike you by day nor the moon by night. Shade in a day, no sunburn, no heat stroke. He's watching over you. He's, he has his eyes on what's visible, all the visible dangers. He sees them too. He's your shade at night. He's for your protector at night. There's no danger covered by darkness that God does not see. And then in verses 7 and 8, it ends in this amazing crescendo. It just keeps building. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. It's been a little while since Leslie and I have been running around parents. But you crazy parents that have all the schedules and you're taking your kids here and there and whatnot, just remember the Lord's watching all that going back and forth and never forget it and thank him for it because he's watching over your life, your coming and your going all the time. He doesn't get mesmerized or distracted by all the activity that's going on. He's watching over you. So be aware of it and be thankful. He keeps us, it says, the Lord will keep you from all evil, both from this time forth and forevermore. He's always watching over you. Doesn't promise that you won't have any troubles. It just says that God and Jesus Christ will be walking with you and keeping care of you. So even when the phase of life in this world is done, he has his eye on you and he will take you to be with him in the next phase that never ends. Take great comfort in that. Because I was doing a series in 1 Samuel, this psalm actually makes a connection with the life of David, and I would like to take a minute to look at that today. 
in First Samuel chapter 19, we know that David was anointed king, and Saul, King Saul, wants to kill David because he's threatened by this, up, this young upstart. And God was watching over David's life. And the reason we need to look at David's life is to remember that he's watching over your life the same way that he was watching over David's life because if you are a believer in Christ and God has called you, he's anointed you, he's chosen you like he chose David to be king, he's chosen you to be who you are and where you are, and he's protecting your life. You remember Jonathan? He was one of David's support team, God keeping care of David indirectly through people, directly, indirectly through people. And Jonathan was one of those guys that God chose to take care of David. Jonathan had surrendered his robe, his sword, his, his uh, bow and arrows to David as a sign that he recognized that David was the anointed king, not, not his father, not Jonathan's father, King Saul, but that David was to be God's king. And he recognized that, and he made a covenant with David. And in chapter 19, we read that Saul was going to try and kill David again, and David had to flee for his life. And Jonathan went out and spoke to his father and said, Father, why are you trying to kill David? He's your helper. He's only done good for you. And he convinced Saul, his father, <clears throat> that David should be kept well of. And, and David was brought back in, but Saul again, broke his word, and David had to flee for his life. And in chapter 20, verse 4, Jonathan said, I will do anything for you. What do you want me to do to protect you, David? I will do it. I've made a covenant with you. Isn't it great that God brought Jonathan into David's life to protect him? And then it was Michael, Saul's daughter. And I know he wanted David to marry Michael so there would be this little in-law thing. And, and Michael, his daughter, could be a spy and let her know what David's thinking and talking about. And he was hoping that Michael's loyalty, his daughter's loyalty, would be more to her father than to David, but she loved David, and she protected him. She lied to protect his life. And then there's all kinds of other people. Abigail and the Philistines were used by God to protect David's life. God was watching over his life, this host of other people. And then even directly, Saul was going to kill David, so he sent messengers to go find David. He was with Samuel and to kill him. And, and those men, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they started to prophesy. And they stopped dead in their tracks. And that happened three times. And then Saul went to get David, and the Spirit came on him, and he prophesied, and David was protected. If we had more time today, you, but I'm giving you a homework assignment. I would have you do it here, but now you have homework. You need to do a personal people inventory. Starts with my parents. I don't know where yours start, but people that God has used to protect your life and to lead you to God, and it just goes on and on and on. And you need to make that list. I really challenge you to do that today, starting today. Start thinking about all the people that God has used in your life to lead you, to protect you, to guide you, to, to steer you to better paths. That's amazing. That's God watching over your life through people. But when you think about Jonathan and Michael and Abigail and David's other support team, realize that you need to be that support person for other people. So go ahead and look around you today. Right now, you're allowed to turn around and stare at people. Okay, you got permission. That's not rude. 
But think about who might be here or who is out there in your community, your neighborhood, your workplace, that God wants you to take a step toward them into their lives to be someone who would be God's keeper, you being a part of that team, keeping them and directing them to God. Ponder that and pray about it. And would you start to take a step toward that person this week, today? Hey, teens, youth group, maybe there's another teen that God wants you to step toward. But let me tell you even something scarier. David, thanks for that lead-in. Maybe there's an older person here that needs the young voice of a teenager that they haven't heard for many years because they're grown up and they've moved away to speak into their lives just to be a friend. It works both ways. Grown-ups are scared of teenagers. Teenagers are scared of grown-ups. And we need to mix it up. When trouble comes after me, where does my help come from? The God who never forsakes me. Psalm 121 is echoed in Romans chapter 8. And if you're familiar with Romans chapter 8, if you're a believer, there's a ton of verses there. I guess I only have a couple minutes to say it, but here it goes. If God is for us, can you finish that? Who can be against us? He who gave his own son to die for us so that we could live forever, what's he going to withhold for us if he's already given us Jesus Christ to pay for our sins? He's not going to withhold anything from those who trust in him. If he's for us, he can't be against us. What's going to separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The Lord keeps our life. He never forsakes his own. Is Jesus watching over your life this morning? Are you convinced of that today? I hope so. Let me just share one quick story with you from Luke chapter 22. Upper room, last supper, we're going to be celebrating communion today with Jesus started it right there for us to remember him. And the disciples are arguing about who's the greatest. The greatest one was sitting in front of them as he washed their feet. But they were arguing about among themselves who among the disciples was the greatest. And, 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 and Peter and, and all, their, you know, they're talking about how they're going to be arguing about the greatest. And here's what Jesus said. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded to have you, that I might sift you like wheat. But Simon, I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. And Peter said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny me three times. But you know what's great about that? Jesus was watching over Peter's life. 
believer in Christ, know this today, that Jesus, your advocate in heaven, the risen Lord, the one who conquered death, is praying for you before the Father. He's your intercessor. He's standing there watching over your life. He is your keeper. (laughs) No one can snatch you out of his hand. The Lord watches over David's life. He's watching over our lives. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. God has plans for us now. He's keeping us. God has plans for our future. He's keeping us, and he's going to get us to be with him. I believe that. Help me to believe it when I'm doubting it. Do you believe that this morning, that he's watching over your life? As we prepare to take communion, Gentlemen, I'd ask those who are serving to please come forward. Let's prepare our hearts together. As they come forward, let's pray. Lord God, take your word and this truth and help us to believe it and to understand it even more to make it real in our hearts and lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.